As always, subscribe and click the notification bell on our YouTube channel. Be active on our Facebook group, East Coast Distressed Note Investing. And be sure to go to our website for all your note investing tools, resources, and available assets. If you have any questions, email us at tradedesk at jkpholdings.com. Hey everyone, Dave Putz from JKP Holdings alongside me, as always, Mr. Nathan Turner. Hello, hello. Good afternoon, my man. How are you? Very good, very good. So, another week done. Um, it's starting to get warmer around here in Jersey, which is awesome. Um, and I don't know about you, but we're seeing assets come out of the woodwork recently. It seems like things are opening up. Um, second quarter is becoming... Uh, you know, a promptly pair that we're going to probably see some more stuff uh, yeah. pretty soon. We'll see what that looks like. Um, but I'm definitely interested in seeing how transition is and pricing. Because that's a big thing for us right now. Is yeah. is this worthwhile for people who are, you know, buying to buy even though inventory is available? Yeah, I actually just week, Monday, I just put in a fairly large bid on 23 assets and fingers crossed. We'll see what happens, but uh, yeah, I, we'll see how pricing comes back. It, it's, it's one of those unknowns. It's one of those weird times where uh, inventory is starting to get more and more. And so naturally prices should decrease, but, uh, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. So um, I think right now we are looking at a shift, right? Um, we're coming out of the COVID craziness. Um, we're seeing some hedge funds start releasing stuff and, and delinquencies are going to start kind of changing, right? People are no longer getting that funds. Um, I know that I've just heard that like Dell was laying off people. Um, yeah. Don't know what that's going to mean in, in the long run. However, I think that when we look at this stuff, um, delinquency has always been with notes. So it's not like a new thing. Um, no. It's been something that's been around for since mortgages came around. Yeah. Um, but we are seeing a shift in the inventory. I mean, you were looking at too, right? Um, in the coming weeks, we'll be talking about reverse mortgages. Yeah. Uh, we'll be talking more about wraps, um, mm -hmm. originating it and, you know, buying those kind of things and the different paper because there was billions of dollars yeah. in created wraps which is ridiculous in that angles a lot differently than buying these three and 4% interest loads that yeah. we've seen the last three, four years. Yeah. It helps us uh, as note buyers to be able to purchase. It helps us because the interest rates are a little bit higher. Uh, they, they tend to be anyway. Yeah. So it helps us to be able to keep that machine moving those 3% interest rate loans. It'll be interesting to see what happens with those over the next few years. Yes. Um, I don't think any of those are coming up available in our world, uh, but it'll be interesting to see what the approach is for those because that those are going to be tough to move. Yeah. And for those who don't know what we mean, when you're trying to buy a 3% loan, we always preach on this topic. You never buy a percentage of UPB or BPO. That doesn't mean anything. It's really buying on that interest rate, right? So buying in that yield or IRR, and if that interest rate's at three or four to get it to a 10 that you're looking for, or 15 or 20, whatever mm -hmm. you look for, the discount is deeper and deeper, the farther lower that original interest rate is. Right. And we try to encourage people to kind of think differently. We're still hearing about people buying on a percentage of UPB, which if you want us private talk, we can have it on how that just doesn't make sense. 10 um, years ago, you could, could do that because everything was underwater and there was a, it was a totally different market. Yes. So 10 years ago, sure. If you want yeah. to buy it based on percentage of UPB, in most cases, that made sense. But in today's market, it just doesn't. Nope. So Absolutely learn not. and adjust and grow or die because <laughs> well you said. can't do it the same as you did 10 years ago. Well said. Um, we just finished up our second five-week course. We're going into our six to 10-week course with those people who completed the one through five. A um, uh, couple of previous clients have been on here. Uh, we'll actually have uh, one of our recent clients kind of share what we talked about from building a bid calculator to due diligence. And in the second six, five, six to 10 weeks, we'll be talking about systems and uh, or organizing your um, vendors and managing mm -hmm. them, how to do that, BK and 
uh, also originating notes and partials and whatnot. Yeah, um, some advanced strategies. Yeah, it's been probably not class has been really awesome. Of course, because it allows us, you and I, to talk about how our methods are different, even yeah. though we talk the same talk. Yeah, yeah, and we've both been doing this for a number of years now, and and it's interesting to see our different different but similar approaches. Uh, yeah. You know, the same way of getting to point A to point B to point C, but just in different ways. Absolutely. With that said, um, we're talking about alternative investing, not just bank originated notes, which we've bought for many, many, many years. Mm -hmm. This market of being seller finance, not just seller finance, but buying wraps and buying reverse mortgages is a huge topic. This whole idea. Can you speak a little bit about this baby of yours, DME, that's going to be talking about not just bank originated notes and how yeah. those who may not listen to us two weeks ago, what they're walking into is not going to be a typical note investing conference. No, exactly. And, and you know, I've been to a lot of conferences over the years and, and there's been a ton of talk about non-performing notes because that was a huge, huge market for us. That I want, I don't want to say it's drying up, but it's, it's not as plentiful as it used to be. So we've got to expand, we've got to learn, we've got to grow and, and learn how to do different kinds of notes. So a big purpose of what I'm trying to accomplish at DME is I want the originators to be there as well as the note buyers to be there so that we can come together. The originators have somewhere to sell their product and the buyers have somewhere to buy yeah. stuff. Well, so a big meeting of everybody to come together. I want people to walk away with deals, not just contacts. Yeah. And it's funny. We just had a master uh, meeting of the minds last Wednesday with a small group of people and from different sectors, and they all said the same thing, that we're marrying two different huge networks of people that's never really connected before. And they love it. We love it. And it's a completely different way of thinking. So yeah. in the coming weeks, we'll be doing more topics about this. So you guys can learn a little bit more about it from a legal stance, as well as an investment stance. So but go get your tickets, DME, diversifiedmortgageexpo.com. Tickets are live. We'll be in June. Make sure you get down to Nashville, guys. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So you're not big in this. I'm trying to get bigger in this, but it's not my forte. But one of the things we try doing is automating, um, not automating, but kind of systemizing our stuff. Yeah. Um, but we also try to systemize our, our marketing as well, or at least I try to. And I'm not good at it. I don't have the patience for it. I'm worse. Um, <laughs> yeah. And to me, it's like, oh, right. I did more years ago, um, but I just don't have the time and energy. I got small yeah. kids. I got a lot going on. And it, to me, it takes a lot of time and effort. Yeah. And if you go on LinkedIn or if you go on Facebook, right, one of the big things I'm going to bring him on as we talk about this here is I see Larry posting constantly and I'm jealous. Yeah, you know, so you're jealous of him, man. And this whole idea of marketing and, and advertising what you're doing, I wish more people did it. And I'm amazed at what you're doing. It's it's astonishing. So we want to bring you on here to kind of share a little bit about what you've done in the past, how you got to where you're doing and why you're doing it. Maybe we're going to write some tidbits down of what we can do better as uh, investors. So Larry, welcome, man. Thank you for oh, coming this afternoon and joining us. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. Hey, hey Nathan. Thank you. Hey, you bet. <laughs> so Larry's been in the space for a long time. Um, he has some great connections and he does some great marketing. Like before we get into that, share a little bit about how did you come across note investing? Did you take classes? How did you learn about it? Yeah, well, I, I've been investing. Uh, I started investing back in 2006, you know, uh, I guess just like traditional um, buying properties, rehabbing them and, and selling them. Um, you know, doing a bunch of lease options, short sales, subject tos, uh, owner financing. I've taken back a, quite a bit of notes, right? And so, I taking that note back. I that was the like my first experience. I didn't know what I didn't know because this this note space is an entirely different thing from you know from just like traditional you know real estate because you have to have a different mindset and you have to get out of that that you're no longer the rehabber, you're rehabbing the properties. And, um, but when I, when I, when I first got started, um, I did, uh, did uh, do a uh, owner finance note 
and I sold it, but I took a huge haircut because I didn't know, like I said, I didn't know what I didn't know in order to do this, but I never really made that transition. Um, and then it was just funny. I, I bought a book. It's uh, Be the Bank, and I forget the author's name. And that was really like the begin where the light bulb went off for me. And then I reached out to, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I took a couple other classes and then I eventually wound up uh, taking mentoring. And, um, and, and that was the really aha moment for me uh, with, with getting into this note space where, you know, if, if the younger me would have known what the older me knew now with that note, there's no way that I would have took that big of a haircut on that note. But, you know, it's one of those things you live and you learn. So for those who are looking, I did a quick Google search on that, uh, saying it was written by Benjamin Michael Lyons. So for those yep. who are curious about the quick Amazon search. So you got into this world of this product. You did the real estate thing, which I think we all kind of started with, right? Yep. And we stumbled across it one pathway or another. Me and Nathan share our story before. Did you jump in it head first? Did you have any kind of education with, with the real estate, uh, yeah, what started it all for me, believe it or not, is the Carlton Sheets course. Uh, that, <laughs> so you know, that's dating my age. I'm, I'm, 50, I'm, I'm going to be 53 this July, so that's dating me. And um, so I got the course, and then I got the upgrades and all the other stuff. Um, but it was always that analysis of paralysis. You know, it's like I, I knew in my head, but I, but I, there was still that that disconnect, right? Um, so I eventually wound up, uh, once again, doing mentoring. Um, he's a pretty popular, uh, guy. Um, and so, and it was a significant amount, but yeah. I've far made that more, uh, than just that little investment. So yeah, it was, you know, it, it's having, uh, taking classes or some type of coaching or some type of mentoring program. It 100%, you know, takes you from, you know, from zero up to 180 in a relatively short, short period of time. And that was a thing for me because I was, I was um, just kind of like hem hauling around with it and not really, you know, doing anything. Um, sure. And then I took the mentoring and then, you know, it's like, I just started getting the deals one after the other and just rehabbing the properties and, and selling them. I was talking and to someone who just option. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just I was I was just talking to somebody yesterday, and she's she was talking about wanting to get into notes and everything. I said you absolutely can, and anybody can do that. Yep. However, you've got to learn the business because it's yeah. not as straightforward as real estate, and there are a lot of nuances. and And when we got started, 12, 14 years ago, pricing was such that we could make all kinds of mistakes, and we did, yep. uh, and we still made money enough that we could keep going. But in today's market. You gotta know what you're doing. Well, yeah, one hundred percent. And that's the other thing you got to take that that you got to flip that mindset that you are no longer the rehabber, you're the bank, right? And it's still, and I still, I still have that you know rehabber mentality. Yeah, you know, I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm I'm the bank. I'm the bank. I'm the bank. And is yeah. there's a you know there's a complete difference between the two. Yeah, yeah. I've done the same thing. <laughs> I'm like, yep. no, no, no. How does the bank do this? Okay, I'm the bank. I'm the bank. <laughs> I apologize for the, the uh, distraction for a second. I saw the feed on the LinkedIn feed kind of died for a second. So again, I apologize. Hopefully it's better now. It, it's amazing when you shift that gear, that mindset change you go through because you don't realize it while you're going through it, that this is a whole new world. And yep. then it, it becomes overwhelming, right? 100%. So how did you make that transition? And and, and how did you, did you learn by doing, did you take a specific class to learn? Yeah. It, it, reaching out, having a, having a mentor. Um, yeah. And then also um, buying a bunch of books and then also a bunch of uh, YouTube videos. Um, you know, it, it's just really kind of, you know, consuming and just getting that jargon down because there, there is a lot of information that you as a note investor have to understand. Um before buying your first note, just, you know, all the due diligence, the things that you have to do to make mm -hmm. sure that, you know, you are in or, and, or your investors are in a really good spot 
mm-hmm. to where if you do have to take that property back, you know, you know, your exit strategies and, you know, you're, you're not going to uh, take a bath on it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So you dive in head first into the space of this great unknown and becoming the bank, right? That's a huge yep. thing. Go from landlord to landlord, as the old saying is. Your first deal, what did it look like? It it was amazing. It was a non-performing note in uh, South Carolina, and um, and, and the funny thing is, is it it was, um, you know, when I got it. You know, the uh, when I reached out, the servicer actually reached out to the to the borrower and developed, you know, um, you know, got the phone number, contacted him. He actually called me and he said that um, you uh, you are the first person. Uh, let me back up. He got the number, called him and then he gave the number to me and then I called the borrower. And when I spoke to the borrower, he said, you are literally the first person that this loan has been sold like seven or eight times that has reached out to me. And he said, I have been trying to get this thing back on track. Mm-hmm. And he goes, nobody's no, nobody. I, no, uh, I couldn't get in contact with anybody. And yeah, so now it's a, it's a performing note. And what's even and I modified it for him. So that way, you know, I helped him. But for me. You know, it, it's um, I developed a, you know, I know you're you, you have to same thing with your tenants. Right. You know, keeping it professional and personal. But with this borrower, it, it's really become more of a friendship with mm-hmm. him, you know, so it, it was it's, it's a really good feeling being able to help him help him get back on track. And then he's been making his monthly payments like clockwork and, you know, Every couple months, he'll reach out to me just to say, "Hey, how you doing?" Just you know, checking on me and you know things like that. So it it was really amazing. That's really cool. Are you based in South Carolina? Was that a local note for you? No, I'm in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh, okay, all right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I bought fair share in Cincinnati, of course. Um, yeah. Don't do much there anymore. Uh, we all mostly started Franklin County, as most yep. people who've been around for a while, we bought. A- whole lot in Franklin but Franklin's yeah. probably the easiest county for online records online everything it is amazing yeah um, and you start branching out um you got into this space by mentors resources when was that point you got into space where you're like wow this is working was it a deal was it a conversation you had was it an event you went to I, I think it's all of the above. It, you know, it, it's one of those things where I, I knew it was going to work just because, you know, I, I saw the returns and and just with having with the uh, the previous experience that, that I had with the uh, with the real estate, you know, rehabbing properties, wholesaling, um, you know, subject to deals, short sales, you know, uh, owner finance note at zero percent interest. You know, it's like I, I knew all this stuff was going to work. And if and if I buy it right, I knew I, I knew I'm going to make money. You know, so it, it's just having that for me, though, having that previous previous experience with already in this real estate space. I knew once I made that shift, you know, as long as I buy it right at the yield that I need to buy it at. And then if I hold on to it for two to three years, then I'm going to be able to, you know, make that make that um, make that profit and then be able to sell that note to some other investor gotcha. and make sure that that other investor down the road has a pretty good yield because, you know, when I, every time that I approach these notes, you know, I'm, you know, I, I want to give my investors or myself the return that, that, that I want to get. But also if, when I'm holding these things for a couple of years, you know, I, I want to make sure that, that I, uh, that I give that investor um, a, a good return too. So, you know, I just don't want to leave, you know, scraps on the bone. I, I, I still want to, you know, have something substantial for that end investor. Yeah. That's so awesome. let's shift gears here for a second. You know, you're bringing other investors on. Um, you're doing <clears throat> great stuff with it. Why did you start marketing? Was it to gather from other people if they want to invest? Was it to just share and network? What was your premise on starting it? And was that the outcome you ended up with? Yeah, it, it's all, um, you know, and that's the thing. I, I know um, another uh, mentor that I had, you know, he, he would always, you know, uh, marketing, you know, is, is, is a moving parade, right? So you never know who you're going to, who you're going to touch. And that was always something that, that I've done uh, with my previous uh, real estate uh, investing was always marketed, you know, uh, uh, postcards and things like that. 
But yeah, it's now with you know, LinkedIn and Facebook and, and Twitter, it, it's even more prevalent. Um, yeah, it, it's it's about being um, at the right place, right time, because it, you know life is a moving parade. You never know who you're going to touch or who's going to see your message. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I just want to let when I'm doing my marketing, I, I want to let the uh, like the banks and the hedge funds and you know other note investors know that hey, I'm active in this space and I'm buying these notes. And I just, you know, I'm looking at a set of nine. I made them out of the nine. I made two offers. You know, one got accepted. Um, you know, I have a, a weekly newsletter that I'll do a deal or dud. And so, you know, it's like uh, some of the properties that I looked at, whether they were a deal or some of them were a dud. And so that way, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll blast that out to everybody. But yeah, it's just all about basically being in front of that person to, to let them know that, hey, I'm here, I'm buying. Uh, the other thing is, is the, um, it, it, everybody is kind of, you know, a buyer, seller, or a funder, right? And so as long as you, you, you take that approach and you think of that, that somebody's looking at it that may not be a note investor, but somebody else is looking at it, they see some of my other marketing that I'm doing, that there's, you know, the uh, the above average returns and you're secured by, you uh, you know, a tangible asset, real estate, that they see that and they become uh, interested. I've had many conversations uh, with investors by just seeing my post either on LinkedIn or Facebook, um, and they reach out to me. And we, you know, we, uh, if they're local, we'll go to, you know, go to lunch or dinner and have a conversation. And, you know, I just basically just tell them exactly, you know, how my program works and, you know, how, these are the kind of returns that that I'm looking at and, you know, and just kind of take it from there. So in Cincinnati, when you're going for lunch, Skyline or Gold Star? Skyline, 100%. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. We all got introduced as we're going through and doing our stuff and going through Cincinnati and somebody says, hey, you got to have this chili. I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And now I crave it order it online and have it shipped to my house it's so good oh i love it i love it (laughs) so you know connecting with local people is a real big thing in the space right if if you're not doing it in person you're not flying out there getting on a phone call and talking to people because they know the local market right as is the bpo mindset it really kind of gets you deep dive into what areas do i want to avoid what areas i don't want to avoid and why do i not want to avoid them because because somebody may not like an area doesn't mean that I shouldn't invest in it. Yep, exactly. In the mindset um, it matters. Uh, we talked before about the fact that a lot of people put it, well, it's not a good property. Well, that doesn't tell me anything about the property, right? right. Yeah. Tell me what you don't like about it. Well, it's under 100000 That doesn't mean I'm not going to like it. It may not mean that you like it or not. Or the one I hear all the time is, is is even from realtors, anybody who goes by the house and they're like, oh, it's in bad shape. I'm like that is so subjective. What does bad yep. shape mean? Like, are yep. we talking it needs a paint job or are we talking there's mold all over? Yeah, exactly. It, well, and see, that's the thing because with the, all the, pro- I mean, <laughs> all the properties that I've bought and or looked at, right? And, um, and, and it's very subjective when it comes to bad shape because- yeah. I'm like, I'm telling you, there's there's some properties that I look at that somebody goes, that is 100% a turd. I'm thinking, oh my God, are you kidding me? Yeah. I'll buy that nugget. all day, every day. Yeah, that's a nugget right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's shift gears here for a minute. When you're talking about your marketing, how do you market? What do you, What's your tricks and whatnot that you use? Are you using any kind of um, boot suites? Are you doing it manually? How are you doing your graphics for those who you encourage those who are buying themselves to do marketing like they're doing now? 100%. Everybody should be 100% marketing, either, you know, like looking at a deal that you're looking at, um, uh, uh, analyzing it uh, or passed on, right? Take that and put that up there. So I do a uh, several things. I use a, um, there's a program called email octopus. And so, and so, you know, that helps with like the marketing and, and things like that out to like the banks and the hedge funds, uh, hedge fund managers to make that connection. But uh, but I also have a, a virtual assistant that works for me uh, part time. She's doing about, what, 25 hours a week and uh, between 15 to 25 hours, depending on you know what I have. Um, so she'll do the marketing for me. 
um, where she'll she'll post um, some of my graphics into LinkedIn, Facebook, and also on Twitter. I know there's a couple of different programs like Hootsuite and and yeah, things like that. Are you doing the graphics? Is she doing the graphics? Uh, yeah, um, uh, I do a lot of the graphics, um, but I'm actually showing her how to do that. So, you know, I'm just kind of giving her general ideas. And so, and then I'm using for the graphic program, I'm actually using Canva, canva.com. Yeah. It's a really good low cost tool. I'm same with you, right? You can get the free one, you can pay one, yep. uh, but they have some great utilities. You can push to different platforms. Yeah. I'm still learning a little about it, but I'm not playing too deep into it. Um, so you did this for what, what's your reason for marketing? What's your goal that you're hoping for these marketing ads to get you? It's uh, connections, you know, uh, networking, um, networking with uh, bank. You know, I have I have a lot of uh, bank managers and hedge funds. And then, you know, I also follow a lot of the bank managers and the big ones. Mm -hmm. And, um, and even, I guess uh, mid, small to, to large uh, other note investors. Um, so that way they can see what I'm doing, that I'm active in this space. And then the other thing um, is to. Um, to 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 uh, to, to have people approach me for private money, you know, possibly loaning uh, money to me um, to buy these assets. So, you know, like I said, you know, somebody's a buyer, seller, or funder, and so I'm I'm always uh, looking at it from that approach. I mean, case in point, um, I went to a uh, a RIA meeting just this uh, past Wednesday night, and I hadn't been to a RIA meeting in God knows how long you know, and then it's a local chapter here. And I, and I went and, um, you know, he, uh, they were talking about, uh, whether it's, uh, um, a commercial properties deal or no deal. And then, you know, but before that, you know, people that you get up and you introduce yourself and, you know, I got up and I said, Hey, you know, my name's Larry Hoffman. I buy non-secured notes. I, you know, I also create lucrative deals, uh, to give people an above average return. If you need anything, if you want any, any more information, you know, reach out, you know, stop me before I leave. Oh. And so at the end of the, uh, at the end of the thing, um, I had, uh, uh, two people approach me about one, um, understanding more about the note, uh, but two also possibly being a, a funding partner for me. Fantastic. That's so it's all about networking. You just got to open your mouth and talk, open your yeah. mouth. Yeah. You post on LinkedIn, you post on Facebook, Twitter. Where do you think is the best? If you had to pick one of the three, where's your, your best secret for those who are listening in or saying, I don't have the time to post this stuff. Um, where would you say the best place to start off? Where do you get the best connection with either funding capital wise or even that connection? Yeah, I would say LinkedIn is like number one, and then definitely Facebook, because, you know, I, I on Facebook, you know, I have friends and family um, seeing a lot of the things that I'm working on, um, and then they actually reach out to me as well um, about, you know, I, I guess being curious about, you know, what's going on, and then potentially being a, um, a private investor at some point in, in the future. But yeah, definitely LinkedIn is, no, is, is, in my opinion, is number one. And that's for funding partners. That's for deals. Oh, all yeah. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. Um, are you feeling that this marketing has increased or decreased in the last say, six months? Are you doing more of it, less of it? What are your feelings are? Yeah, it, it's I'm doing more and I actually need to do more. And um, and that's yeah. And that's why, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to uh, have my VA actually ramp it up um, a little bit more. You know, I, I don't want to be like too in your face with it. You know, I, I want to post more of the deals that I'm working on, sure. uh, more of the deals that I passed on. Uh, so that way, you know, people can actually see that, you know, that he that Larry is actually out there in the space looking at these deals sure. um, and, he, and he's making offers on these things. Mm -hmm. Have you got a deal passed to you that was just not normal, right? Like a, that crazy seller finance deal. Has any of those kind of crossed your path or has it pretty much been that other investors assets that they're trying to sell off to you? Um, and have you gotten deals from these posts? Oh uh, yeah, uh, I mean, um, I've got several Facebook people that that reach out to me, and uh, a lot of the uh, seller finance notes, and um, 
and a lot of times they're just like newly originated. Mm-hmm. Uh, me personally, I, you know, I like to see at least, you know, three months to six months of seasoning, sure. you know, and um, a little bit of a, you know, like 10 uh, to 20% down uh, on the down payment. Um, I mean, I'm actually working on one that actually came from a, um, a Facebook uh, post. Awesome. Yeah. And, and it's accepted. And um, so I'm just basically, I was in the process of doing the due diligence. So I just need to get back with him and to, to basically finalize it. That's great. That's great. What other systems are you doing email wise, marketing wise? Are you doing email marketing as well? Uh, uh, it, when I do email marketing, I do. Um, but, but what it is, it's strictly for the people that opted into my, uh, to my website. Um, now I, I hadn't, uh, I got off of doing the, uh, the weekly, uh, email every Monday morning, I would do a, um, and, and, and I, I stopped like right after Christmas and I just, from Christmas up until about now, I've just been slammed. Um, so, and I need to, instead of doing the, uh, the weekly, I'm, I'm going to go back to, uh, maybe just do it, um, every couple of weeks or something like that. Um, and so I send out a, a email to my private lenders, mm-hmm. letting them know it's just basically like a, um, kind of like a catch up, like, like I do things I do with my fiance or my kids. Um, and then I have a deal or dud, and then I have a, um, a real estate section and, um, and those are for my private lenders, but basically I take that same information and then I do a, a lengthened newsletter um, and I have and uh, I was uh, sending that out every Wednesday so I'm just going to switch it to either do it every Tuesday or uh, every other Tuesday for both of them and um, and I'm telling you that that marketing the um, the LinkedIn newsletter and also the um, the email marketing to my private lender list it 100% works because it, it's I'm, I'm constantly letting them know that, hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm analyzing a deal. I'm analyzing a deal. I'm here. And then they also get to see more of a personal side of me, you know, with Joni, my fiance or, you know, my kids that, you know, I'm just not some fly by night, you know, person. I want them to have a relationship with me, you know, and this not the business. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So you get these assets in, you're doing a lot of due diligence. I do. You, uh, do you have automation tools or systems behind the scenes to help you just juggle all this? The, I, I, you know, with, I am, I am in the process of creating my own um, macro for Excel, right? Because one or two or five, it's pretty easy to analyze, but oftentimes, you know, I'll look at tapes where they're, you know, 30, 50, a hundred, and you whittle them down and then, you know, out of like of a hundred, maybe you whittle it down to like, say 30. Well, 30, it takes a lot of time to do the due diligence on. So right now I just have a very, very rudimentary Excel spreadsheet macro where it takes those assets and I got to format them into the right column and it does all my due diligence for me. And so, and then the next thing that I'm going to do is um, there's still some manual automation that I have to do is like go out, check the taxes, go out, check PACER, see if they file bankruptcy, um, look at the statute of limitations based off the, the, uh, the length of the loan. So that way, because when, when somebody gives you like an unpaid principal balance and it hadn't been collected in like, you know, 18 years, well, there's a statute of limitations on what you can actually collect. So that true UPB or what they're saying isn't what they're you're going to be able to collect on. So that, you know, you got to figure out what you can collect on. Yeah. So there's little things that like those things I still need to manually do, but I'm going to try to incorporate all of that into, I don't think I would be able to do that in this macro, but turning it into a, uh, like a web service type of thing where, you know, it'll like scripts where it'll go out and do a lot of that. But yeah, right now it's uh, it's a, it's, it's a little bit of manual and a little bit of automation. Nathan knows where I'm going to go with that, right? So <laughs> I do a lot. We'll catch up after the show. Okay. Uh, I do a lot of that kind of automation that's in blink of an eye kind of thing. Um, and a lot of the tax stuff I pull from my own due diligence tools where I can get, pull five different valuations of property, annual yep. tax amounts, and bedroom bathrooms, see if it's listed for sale, see less. I have all that stuff there. And I also do a lot of spreadsheet automation. Um so we could definitely talk after the show on some okay. tricks and stuff like that. Yeah, um, and, and I'll tell you a big thing for me, Dave, is um, especially with the automation. Um, a, a big, uh, I, I usually um, I look at the uh, the yield to maturity and then the IRR um, mm. on that just to make sure because 
you know, I, I do do a percentage of the, of, the, uh, of the UPB in order to get my uh, yield to maturity and uh, my IRR, right, to make sure that I'm within line because I'm telling you, there's a lot of times where I'll forget to do that. And then I'm like last minute, I'm like, oh, dang, I got to go back in. And then I also have to add in like the due diligence and then, you know, like backing out servicing costs and all this other stuff where, you know, my initial offer, thank God I didn't submit it. And I'm like, last minute, it's like, I'm thinking, I totally forgot to do this, this, and this, and I got to go back in and then reassess it. So when you do have those automating, automated tools, they 100% make a big difference. Well, um, I did ask for some questions. We just got a boatload of questions at once. So I'm going to try, uh, me and Nathan go back and forth. Nathan, I'll let you start with the first yeah. one. Uh, make sure you mention the name. And Yeah, so Gabe Cass. Good old Gabe. How you doing, Gabe? Um. He's asking about, do you use text messaging? Do you text message your leads? I, I don't, no. no? Not, um, you know, that's something that um, I was looking at doing that with um, with my private lenders, um, mm -hmm. you know, that my investor that's going to fund the money. But I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where I just think it's kind of like less personal. Um, and I, for me, I want to have more of that personal connection with somebody. So I just go and, and you know my my uh, my my private lender list. I mean, I think it's only about fifty something people or something like that. And but out of that, I mean, I have um, I have about five point five million dollars, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and so and, and I'll just you know I'll just start calling people and just having a conversation. But no, I don't I don't text message um, leads or anything like that. I, I use texting a lot, uh, especially with realtors. I do okay. Texting with realtors, just it's just fast and easy. Oftentimes it's like, hey, did you check on the property? You know, something. Really, okay. I don't need to make a phone call on that. And <laughs> a lot of the realtors are so busy, they don't even want to bother. Like, yeah. Give me a quick thing. So we have, uh, yeah, interesting. I'm, I'm going to stick with Gabe's questions now, kind of bump them <laughs> together, and we'll go back up. We have a more. So Gabe also asked, what states are you marketing for? Are there certain states you're trying to target right now? No, um, uh, I, I buy nationwide, except for New York, New Jersey, California, and uh, Illinois. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it's um, oftentimes, though, when I, get, when I do get a tape, you know, my, my, my top five is, you know, Ohio, Indiana, Michigan, Indiana, uh, well, I mean, Ohio, Indiana, Michigan, South Carolina, North Carolina, Texas, and, um, and Florida, right. Or top seven. So yeah. And, um, Georgia, um, I do, uh, I typically, when I do buy in Georgia, I usually buy a my self-directed IRA. Um, so if I'll sift and sort the tape from those and, mm -hmm. um, and if, and if there's not a lot to choose from, from there, from, from those, you know, like seven or eight, then I'll, I'll branch outward, but I'm not like, I'm not specifically targeting, you know, specific note investors that I know has a, a lot of notes in like South Carolina. Um, a lot of my marketing is geared towards a lot of the banks and the hedge funds. Uh, so I have, you know, personal uh, relationships with these guys and also servicing companies where they'll send me the uh, the tapes and then, you know, I'll go in and I'll sift and sort what I want and then I'll make offers on them. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think we'll get tomorrow's question in a few minutes. Um, I think what you said there real quick about the Georgia thing, for those who may not know, there's a licensing requirement in Georgia. And if you do buy it, I know Gabe will contest it, right? But if you do buy in Georgia and you're not licensed and you're buying in a company name, um, it's a felony. So just for those who are knowledgeable, the IRA kind of surpasses it because you're buying in a private personal name. Um, but check the local laws for that stuff. Same thing with Illinois and stuff like that. They have debt license requirements that can be expensive if you're not buying enough. So I'll let you hit up uh, Morris' questions, Nathan. Yeah, so uh, I'll go with the first one first and then I, I got to follow up to it. So do you think the market is is uh, shrinking or or growing? What are you seeing out there? Uh, me personally, I, I believe it's growing, yeah. um, you know, and it's uh, especially with a lot of the uh, the COVID moratorium being lifted and, you know, uh, and then with the economy and, the you know, the recession, I, I, I don't care what people say, we were 100% in a recession. And, um, 
And so it is 100%, my opinion, we're, we're, this is just the beginning of it, yeah. you know, and uh, there are going to be way more people in default. And that's with me buying these notes. Um, my number one goal is to not foreclose on them, is to get them reperforming because, you know, foreclosure is the very last thing that I want to do. And if I can help somebody, I will 100% help somebody get back on their feet and start making these payments and stay in that house. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so his question, his second question is, what's the change from 2006 to now? But 2006, you were doing properties, right? So when, when was your first note? Oh, what was it? About a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, when did you start studying and started looking at stuff? Oh, it, oh, God, I think I started studying probably about five years ago that, you know, I started, you know, like buying a bunch of books and uh, courses and, and things like that. And just kind of getting my feet, getting my feet wet within right. the air, trying to learn the jargon. Um, yeah. and, and it was, once again, it was always the, uh, the analysis of paralysis. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it, and that was a nice thing about it, you know, having like a coach or a mentor, like, you know, that, that, you know, they've been there and they've done that. And, you know, you can reach out to that person, uh, especially in this note space, because it, it's, you know, it's the, the, the fear of the unknown, you know, mm. but once you do your first one, um, it, it's kind of easier than your second, than your third, you're like, oh God, okay. Yeah. I'm making mountain of, out of a molehill. Yeah. It, basically it just bottom, it, the bottom line is you just really need to do your due diligence on, on it. Um, you know, look at your numbers, do your due diligence and, um, and, you know, and, and then you can always run it by somebody, um, yeah. you know, that just to make sure that you're not, you, uh, you, maybe you're not seeing something that the other person may see. Yeah. And, and I mean, Dave and I can tell you over the years, my goodness, you, you continue to learn every, yeah. so many different situations. It's almost impossible to anticipate every possible scenario. Oh yeah. So yep. you just, you keep learning, you keep figuring stuff out. Yes, yeah, statute limitations. I thought was a one number thing, and I learned just about eighteen months ago, two years ago, that there's six different pillars of statute limitations yeah. throughout the states, from next due date to last payment date to maturity date to yep. You know, if start a foreclosure, there's so many things, and certain states allow certain things. So yeah, yeah it's definitely a huge thing that we you, you, your calculator can grow and grow and grow yeah. until you're just monstrosity like I have. Right? But, and but, your network. Yes. But, but what I will tell you is um, the thing uh, that really helps me is mm -hmm. um, especially when you get the collateral file. So, uh, you, you know, you want to make sure that you have all, you know, uh, from the start of the uh, the creation of the loan to when you buy it, like all the allonges and all the assignment of mortgages and, you know, just make sure you have everything. And if you don't understand that, you can always reach out to an attorney. I have an attorney that, that I reach out to and I, you know, I'm like, okay, I'll send over the collateral. I'll look at them sure. and make sure that everything is there, but then I'll send it over to him. And then just to double, double, make sure that everything is there. And then he'll say, Hey, you're good. Go ahead with, with the deal. Yeah. It's amazing because due diligence, everyone is different, right? So people yeah. say, well, define due diligence. Well, I'm going to define the way I do it. Nathan will say differently. You're going to say something different. Um, we have some pretty much the same thing. We're pulling our openings, we're pulling our value of properties, we're reviewing collateral are the big three, right? Um, but we also get into servicing notes and we also get into pay history and consistency. Yep. And as Nathan says, the data tape also has some did points in there, like the, the date of the data. That's another key point. Um, yep. So it's interesting because you know, I got into notes in 2010. I bought my first one like late 2011. And what shifted from then to now is what Nathan said earlier is the collaterals changed. The asset used to be all underwater. Um, yeah. We used to bid based on percentage of UPB because everything was underwater. And the fact that we're buying it so cheap that it didn't matter if our calculations were wrong. You know, when you're right. buying 30 cents, now you're buying at 60, 65, 70. It was a completely different market back then. Yeah. Um, as it shifted along, all we bought was not performing back then. And you'll find now we're buying more performing than ever before because the pricing has changed and our market has changed mm -hmm. because our desired return for non-performing is much higher because of the risk levels. 
Yeah, so, part of it too is I think we're just getting older, Dave, and, and it's just it's let's like, work. Honestly, the performers are easier to manage. And yes, yep, that's BKs and all stops. You know the hassle of the BK tracing down the trustees, mm-hmm. um, and looking at thousands and thousands of assets, your brain kind of goes, oh. Right? I'm just yeah. I, I still like to hustle, but maybe not quite as much. Yeah, we gotta get our kids doing it hustling for <laughs> yeah, us. Right, yeah, that's the exactly. goal, right? Well, um, I, I just I just bought a um, a note that's in a uh, bankruptcy and okay. uh, so you know uh, bankruptcy chapter you know thirteen yep. and um, and I'm telling you it's it's like um, you you know you do your, all your due diligence and chapter thirteen bankruptcy it, it's a performing note oh. and I got it I I got it at a at a, a substantial discount um, and then I was able to reach out uh, or the borrower actually reached out to me uh, because I got, in, I, what I did was I got in contact with the attorney um, of the, of uh, the BK attorney. And I sent you her for a second. Those who don't know, he's saying you cannot reach out to your borrower if they're in bankruptcy. They right. speak to their attorney. Do yeah. never speak to the borrower in BK. Sorry. Yep. And, and so exactly. And so I reached out to the, uh, to her attorney um just introducing myself just saying hey you know i just i'm the new owner of this note um i want to go ahead and uh, try to do a loan modification because looking over the you know the, the all the bankruptcy documentation i just felt like the the plan set set her up for failure and i just said i, I want to go ahead and just modify this loan for her. and if you could just have her you know uh, if you could talk to her um and then you know talk to to my attorney and then let's just you know get it figured out she sent the letter, the email to her, the borrower, the borrower called me and she was literally crying on the phone. Hmm. Awesome. She, I mean, it, it's seeing, that's the thing. It's, it's such a, a, a good feeling to be able to help somebody yeah. um, that, that's going through such a traumatic experience, you know, in, in, in their lives. And it, it's amazing. But, you know, just 100%, you know, I, I yeah. kind of got off tangent, but 100% do all your due diligence, you know, oh, yeah. before you buy the note. BK, I know Nathan's not big on it. I love BK because you're getting the constant payment of the mortgage payment, but you're also getting the rear. It looks like a bonus kick on yep. it, right? Um, you hate when BK uses a tool to avoid foreclosure. I get that. Um, yeah. But when it's payment, it's awesome. Um, I think we answered John's question is where your notes are coming from. Most of the time they come from banks, hedge funds, and yep. uh, you know other investors who are out there. Um, and you're getting it for marketing. People right. Uh, Companies I see in part of this, uh, the live feed here, let's see some of our marketing from you guys. I'd like to see Astonishing saying, wow, I've seen his name out there constantly. You may not remember where you saw it from, but if the name stands out because you've seen so much of it, um, and understand that the algorithms through these social medias, right. you may post three times a day and no one saw it. Yep. It's just what it is. Yep. We had a question from Gene um, Davis that throughout the years, uh, you created an SOP or process map that walks you through the due diligence. How do you, uh, that walks you, walks you through, uh, how do you do your due diligence? How do you tell if a note is worth offering on? Okay. How do you know if a, a note is worth making a bid on it? I guess is the question. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, that, that's kind of like, um, I guess that's a subjective question, you know, because it, it's, it, one that I might find, you know, um, acceptable, Dave or, or Nathan may just like, ah, we're going to pass on it. You, you know, that that's where it's um, subjective. subjective. Um, and that's where I got to look at it on a on a note by note basis. Um, if something can be cured, and that's why I 100% rely on my attorney, because even though it looks good to me, you know, within the collateral file, I'll send it over time to my attorney. He goes, well, wait a minute, you know, it's missing, you know, whatever X, Y, and Z, we can't fix this. And, and then I, I'm just, I, and I go back to the seller. I can't buy it because it's, it's, you know, my attorney is telling me it's missing this. It can't be cured. Um, you know, because I'm always thinking in the long run that, you know, in a couple of years, two to three years, I may sell this note off to another investor. And mm-hmm. I want to, because the buck stops with me when I buy this note. I want to make sure that that collateral file, everything is there 100% intact. So when I set it, sell it to the next next investor, they don't have to worry about anything because it's been 100% gone through with the fine tooth comb. Yeah. So I think what he's asking more about when you're at the tape level, when you make oh. an end, you make an offer, 
what makes a note worth making an offer on? What makes it not worth making an offer on? Oh, I see. Obviously, okay. state's a big right? versus state. I'm presuming you, you're looking at state. What are the numbers you're looking at to decide if you even bother looking at that asset? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I like notes that are like, um, you, typically what I'll do, I'll sift and sort, and then I'll take the principal interest times 12 or, you know, take the principal and interest minus the servicing cost of, you know, like a non-performing note, 90 bucks, you know, whatever, and multiply that by 12. So I'll get my, uh, my yearly um, uh, principal and interest, and then I'll divide that by, you know, what I'm going to offer to see what my initial interest rate, my cash on cash is going to be. So if, if it's, if it's like, you know, like the tens, you know, 12s, 15s, you know, it, the, the cream kind of rise to the top. Those are the ones that I'm going to start, you know, really looking at. And then I'll start doing a little bit more due diligence and then looking at the yield to maturity and the IRR and then all the other stuff just to make sure, you know, and if I bought it for X that my, you know, my, my yield to maturity is, I like to see at least 13% or higher. And so when I get those, uh, and I'm like, shoot, they look good. Everything looks good. It falls within the states that I like. Um, and then everything comes back with like the taxes. Uh, everything looks good on the collateral file. Send it over to my attorney. He signs off on it. You know, I'm like, I'm all in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, we, me and Nathan talked about this before, what our things are. We have certain states we look at. Um, you know, one of the first, first things we look at is uh, interest rates, right? If I'm looking at a performing asset at 3%, um, there's nothing you can do to get that three to a right. 10 I discounted so dramatically um, in a yield formula. Uh, we bid everything on our IRR, but it's kind of the same thing as yield, but you can't get a 2% to a 10 that easily, right? Right. So the big one, if you're creating emerging notes and a new gene does this kind of stuff, so interest the big one. The state it's in is a big one too, because if you're buying, if you're creating in, say, you know, uh, Florida versus Texas, the time frame is gigantic. Yeah, right? you go from twelve months in Florida plus sometimes sometimes to three to six months max kind of thing in Texas to go to a foreclosure, which means that my return can double a year in Texas while I'm waiting for Florida to work it out. So the different variables and the cost differences as well. Yeah, yeah. but it. it and that's the thing, you know, what we because you did brought up you brought up the interest rates, like the lower interest rates. I actually um, I bought uh, six um, notes from a um, a midsize uh, investment firm, and uh, a few up three of them they had low interest rates on them, um, but I I got those at about thirty to forty percent of the UPB. So and it and it met, met that yield. Yeah. Um, and I'm, it's, it's just like, it's, it's one of those things where it's right place, right time. Yeah. You know, they, he just wanted to unload, they just wanted to unload them. Um, and that's why, you know, another thing I always do too, is I always ask the, um, the persons what their price expectations are, because, you know, if they're telling you 90% and you're going, you're coming back at like 60, I'm like, you know, you know, it's, you're just going to be wasting your time. Yeah. But a lot of times they'll just tell you highest and best because, you know, they're, they're sifting and sorting from all these other people too. And that's where it's like, even if it's at like a 3%, I'm like, I'm just going to go ahead and make my offer and see right. if, um, um, if, if, uh, if it, if it takes. And then here's the other big thing too, is I 100% follow up on all my offers, you know, and, yeah. and it's just like, uh, every couple months I'll just follow up and I use, um, a pipe drive, uh, as my tool. And I have a bunch of swim lanes and I have a lot of things that like these, uh, these workflows, so when I move them into different, uh, you know, lanes, it'll automate like an email out to my attorney. It'll uh, another one out to uh, the BPO and title work and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then I have a task list of things that, that need to be done. Mm -hmm. awesome. That's awesome. So just going back to the, you know, preferences of notes and, and I think that's what makes this such a great community is because we're competing against each other sometimes. But a lot of the time we're not because I have preference this way and you have preference that way. Yep. And so it allows us to kind of come together and really collaborate because yes. we're not necessarily direct competitors. Nope. We're, we, we sometimes compete on specific assets, but a lot right. of the time we don't. And that makes it really fun to be able to, to yeah. get together. Right.
It's different from a local realtor, you know, uh, investors yeah. buying the same rehab house in the same block where we're not exactly a lot of times where like your yield may be different. Your goal may be different. Maybe you want the property. Maybe you're yeah. into the space to get the property right. back and rent it out where I have no interest in that stuff. Right? right. But some people are like, listen, I want to do that to get this and get that. Maybe you're doing it by yourself and you don't need the 15, 20% yield. Maybe yep. eight makes sense for you and you can yeah. beat me on certain deals. Right. So it all depends on what your angle is. Maybe you're buying for your uh, IRA, which again, as long as you beat the market, you're okay with it. Yeah, and see, Dave, you, you just brought up, because I was just going to talk about that because, um, and that's where you have to figure out like what your money costs are too, mm -hmm. because it, you know if you're borrowing money at 6%, you need to get at least 12%. If you're 8%, you got to get 16, 16%. Yeah. Um, so that kind of dictates you know, the kind of yield that you want. But if you are buying it uh, in your self-directed IRA, I mean, a simple 8%, 9% is, is sufficient. I mean, you know, it's like, where else are you going to make a 9% return yeah. secured by a tangible tangible asset? And I'm like, I'll take that all day, every day. Yeah. yeah. So I have two questions before we get to LinkedIn's question from Rodney. Have you ever bought or sold a partial? And what, um, we'll start there. Go ahead. Would you okay, have you uh, sold a partial before? No, I have never bought or sold a, a partial. I ha I've had uh, made many uh, offers on partials. Okay. Yeah. And do you care how many years are left in a note when you go to buy it? If it's one year or 20 years, does that change your... Yeah, I, I like to see it have a, a, you know, a little bit of time uh, left yeah. on it uh, because... You know, and once again, it kind of goes back to where you're buying it. If you're buying it in your self-directed IRA, um, if it has a couple, you know, years on it, and if I get it at a pretty good rate, you know, if I'm making nine, ten percent, I'm totally fine with that. But if I'm buying it outside my self-directed IRA and I have, you know, six uh, percent like money costs or something, um, then you know, then I'll have to get like a twelve percent return on that. Um, and then oftentimes I've got to cash out my investor two to three years. I need to make sure there's enough on that back end yep. to where I get cashed out, pay him off or her off, and then have a little bit of profit on the back end. So that's where you, you, you need to look at um, where you want to buy it, your money cost, and how, you know, how long do you want to hold on to this thing for? Because all of that comes into, a, into an effect on these things. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So the question come from Rodney from uh, our LinkedIn Live is um, great for those who can help. But what have you? What's your experience been to those who couldn't or had to foreclose? I'm not sure exactly what that question is referring to, but I guess is how difficult is it to foreclose on somebody, and what's that if you've done it before? What are some of the pitfalls of that? Uh, uh, thank God I have not had a, a foreclose foreclose on anybody. Um, so, you know, and it's one of the things, um, and if you do, uh, you have uh, people and places and systems and, you know, in place, um, you know, you just reach out to the attorney uh, in that state, um, or a lot of times, a lot of these notes are in the process of being foreclosed. And if you can't get them back on track, you just reach out to the attorney that actually started the foreclosure and just, you know, kind of pick up where they left, you know, where the previous borrower left off. I, I have had to foreclose on people and the vast majority of the time I'm foreclosing on a property. It's a vacant property. They've already moved on. They've passed away, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so the vast majority of the time it's an empty property. So I'm just foreclosing on the property, not a person. Every once in a while, I do have to foreclose on a person. I hate doing that. Yeah, I hate it. But at the same time, uh, I can't do nothing. Yep. So, so we've got to move forward in one way or another. Uh, and if foreclosure is the way that it needs to go, then it needs to go that way. And as much as I, I really don't like doing that, um, it is part of the business. And that's, yeah. that's something that you're going to- And, and you said before that you've had people cry when they're excited. I've also had the opposite side where people are crying, don't foreclose on me. Yeah. And, the, and can you do a mod? And the problem is I can't mod someone who lost half their income or three quarters of their income because right. I had a situation where the, the husband got sick and injured 14, 15, and he was a breadwinner. He got injured, could not collect any, he was collecting disability. He went from making a lot of good money to making nothing. And they could not keep the house financially. And I'm not here, you know, as much as I want to help, I can't help the situation. The yeah. financials don't change anything. 
Yeah, um, yep. and they just couldn't yep. make the deal happen for them. And they cried. And I, I felt bad, but at the same time, I'm still a business, still an investor. Yeah. Yeah. Gabe, I won't put it in there, but Gabe mentioned he foreclosed on almost every note he's bought. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gabe. Uh, so uh, I, the next one I'll let uh, Nathan ask uh, from Facebook. Yeah, this is Gene Davis. He's asking, uh, what's the typical time frame that you tell your lenders that you'll have their funds tied up for? Uh, I, I tell them uh, between 24 to 36 months. Yeah. I think that's a good time frame. And what do you do at the end of it? Do you cash out? Do you sell the note? What's your kind of game plan for that? Yeah, it's uh, either I'll cash them out um, if, if I want to hold on to the note. For for example, um, the South Carolina one, um, you know, I think I'm going to cash my particular investor out just because, you know, the, the personal relationship that I have with this borrower, um, you know, but yeah, typically, um, you know, two to three years, I'll just go ahead and just sell the note and then, you know, get the money out cash, you know, cash that person out and ask them if, if they want to play again. And if yeah. they want to invest the money again, and then we'll do another round. And that's a good time frame. And for people that are kind of getting started, just some of the reasoning behind that. And Larry, tell me if this is right, but this is where my mind goes is let's say you've got a 30 year amortized note. Uh, and it's three years in. So then you buy it at 20, uh, 27 years left on the note. Yep. The amount of principal being paid off is still very, very low. Yep. So two or three years from now, when I go to resell that note, that principal balance is still quite high. So it makes it much, much easier for me to resell it. Yep. 100%. Yeah. And that's the other thing with these, um, when you, when you uh, modify the notes, you start the, uh, uh, the clock from zero again. So, right. you know, yeah, 24 years, 30 years. And it's just like, uh, I mean, that, that note, um, that's modified. It was modified last year. I mean, it, it's, you know, it started from zero. Right. Yeah. And so I can, you know, that's a conversation I'm going to have to have with, with my investor. Um, do, do you want to, you know, it's coming up on two years. Do yeah. you want to, you know, get cashed out or, you know, you want to leave it in for another two years. Right. Right. And, and there, and on that, on that one, there's, there's a lot of time because, Yep. The, uh, the, uh, the principal is not, you know, it's very little that's being paid down. And that's where, you know, somebody was asking about the length of the, uh, the term. That's where that comes into, a, uh, into account specifically on your exit strategy. If you want, if you're buying it in your self-directed IRA, it's, you know, to me, it doesn't matter because I'm buying it. You know, if I get a discount, if I get my yield, they can just totally cash me out. But if I'm using somebody's money, I got to be cognizant of that. To make sure that I have enough on the back end when I go to sell this thing. And then also, I also try to figure out if somebody's looking for like a 10, 11, or 12% yield mm -hmm. on that money, you know, two to three years down the road, what kind of position is that going to put me in? Am I mm -hmm. going to be in a negative position? Do I have to come out of pocket? Or am I am I at a pretty good position? So right. you 100% you, you have to look at all that. Yeah. yeah. All of that goes into it. So it's... Yeah. There's, there's a lot that goes into it. So yeah. hey, again, learn. you're going to, if you haven't done this before, I would definitely talk to people who have yeah. before you jump into it. It's not the easiest thing in the world to do. Larry had experience before with buying real estate. So this avenue of getting capital is very carefully done, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just be careful you do. But at the same time, the only way it's time to learn is by doing, which kind of stinks, yep. but you got to learn it um, because you're going to run out of your own capital unless you're- right really really well which is great um you're gonna run out of capital you can go multiple ways um the way larry's doing you have to be real careful uh nathan has a fund uh that he has a c regulated um and then i have private capital that i have a partner with we have capital we have plenty so in that kind of aspect you, you need capital in the space um the one thing that sucks is when you do foreclose you're not bringing any money in and you're right. kind of putting money out you're constantly yeah. either a asking for all this money up front or B, asking for a draw every time you need to yep. pay an attorney. Yeah, and, and that's the other thing. Um, when I look at the, um, when I get the tape in, um, I preferred uh, occupied assets, mm, you know, okay. uh, so that way I can, um, and especially if they've made the payment within the last couple of years or, you know, um, yeah, a, a payment within the last couple of years, at least they've made some attempt to make a payment. 
then I look at that as a high probability of getting them back on track. And, and then, but if the vac, uh, I was just looking at a, a tape this morning where sifting and sorting, you know, I had a bunch of vacant and a bunch of um, occupied. I'm going after the occupied first. And then I was talking to the, to the, uh, to, to the guy selling the, uh, the tape. Um, I said on these vacant ones, I'm going to you know, be pretty low on it because I'm going to have to 100% foreclose on these things, mm -hmm. you know? So, cause you can't go, you know, if, if it's gone, if nobody's living in it, mm -hmm. you can't get them back on track. They've already yeah. made the decision to walk away. Yeah. And, and from my perspective, um, you know, there's a pro and con to both sides of it. If it's vacant, it can be trashed. Right. right? Yeah. But you could get a deed in the loop pretty easily. Usually if it's occupied, they're usually can modify and work things out. But they can yep. fight you in the foreclosure too. So there's definitely a, a two-edged sword on either side. Yeah. I don't know if you mentioned this before, and I don't see anyone asking. Do you primarily buy first, or are you buying second as well? No, first I just buy first mortgages. Yeah, I just buy first mortgages. Um, I don't do uh, seconds. I got a buddy that buys second mortgages. So whenever you know, like a second comes yep. up, I'll refer them over to him. Uh, but I, I'm land strictly contract. first mortgages. Have land contracts or? reverse mortgages are you looking at those kind of things uh, i do i do yeah um and that's the thing um with, with the land contracts uh on the um the uh the modification um typically because you know it, your name is on the deed on the on the land contract i i personally i i do buy them but i don't like it um and so anytime i get a chance to modify it i'll turn it into a mortgage and get my name get my company name off that off that deed because i don't i don't want to be you know don't want to own anything i don't want yeah i don't want to own anything anymore <laughs> yeah, i get it i get it so we we kind of talked about this a little bit before but where do you see this market heading like where are we going well it, uh, yeah we were talking earlier um i i see foreclosures definitely you know rising up um i see a lot of you know uh people being laid off mm -hmm. and you know with the uh more people being laid off because of the economy and um you know, with that, people are going to be in the, uh, we're going to be more foreclosures. Um, so there's going to be, you know, there's going to be an opportunity where we as note investors, you know, we can come in and, and that's why I love this because it's like, you know, I, I'm, yeah, I'm able to make money on it, but I'm also going in with the, the mindset of being able to help the people that want to be helped that, yeah. you know, that have it, you know, that, that maybe something happened. They didn't really, you know, if they did lose their job, but they were able to get back on track, get another job and make these payments again, that you can 100% help people like that. Absolutely. And, um, but, and that's why I love it. But yeah, I definitely see the foreclosures definitely ramping up this year. Yeah. Well, me too. We'll see what happens. I'm seeing it too. Um, I know that some of the things are kind of slurred and slow down. Our borrowers are not paying exactly yep. on time. Um, trying to see that little trend. Um, keep an eye on it. We'll see what happens. I know that over the last two years, we significantly higher performing than we expected. Um, it's been an amazing ride, um, but all rides, you know, all situations hit and hose. So I think the cycle right. of that is going to come to an end quickly. Um, mm -hmm. And we'll see where the next tide goes. We just got to be very flexible. Um, yep. but yeah. I appreciate Larry joining us. Um, I know that uh, some of the people here have been really fortunate and they see your posts. Check a look at it on LinkedIn. Larry's on there. Larry's on Facebook. And he's doing some really cool stuff. So if you just want to pick his brain, ask questions, I did put it in the comments, the uh, webinar link um, form. So if you want to fill it out, I can share you Larry's information. Okay. Um, but definitely reach out to him if you're looking for information or if you have an asset that you're looking to sell, reach out to Larry and see if you can make a deal happen. Awesome. Awesome. Good Thank stuff, you, everyone, Larry. for joining in. And we'll see you guys soon. I think next one we'll be talking about is March 3rd, I think we are. Yeah. We'll be talking wraps and legal stuff and origination, but also buying them, which is going to be killer for the year. So yeah. enjoy, everyone. Thanks, guys. Okay. Thanks.